Let's go. You're listening to Making Data Simple, where we make the world of data effortless, relevant, and yes, even fun. Hey folks, welcome to Making Data Simple, the Making Data Simple podcast. This is the podcast where pretty much anything goes. It's tech, it's leadership, it's data. At least we try to keep data someplace in the core of what we're talking about, but we just like to have a little bit of fun. Today's podcast is going to be a blend of tech and entrepreneurship. Um, We'll be speaking with Michelle Trico, who is the co-founder of Airbyte. This is a open source ELT standard for replicating data, or at least they drive an open source ELT standard for replicating data from applications, APIs, databases. Uh, We're going to hear from Michelle and, you know, his history. I'll give a little bit of background on Michelle. He has been working in data engineering for the past 15 years, head of integrations and engineering uh, at LiveRamp. He has been involved with data ingestion and data distribution connectors, essentially hundreds of terabytes every day. Uh, Yes, we will talk about that. In 2020, he co-founded Airbyte which is a new open source ELT standard for replicating data from applications, again, APIs and databases. After only five months, Airbyte raised over 5 million in seed funding, which is also of interesting to me. And to my knowledge, already 600 plus companies having synced data using Airbyte in the first six months. That's pretty amazing, man. So welcome, welcome, Michelle. Thank you, Hal, for having me on the show. And actually, the 600 is, is more of a, of a thousand today. Like the, the months of, uh, of March has been amazing. Wow. Fantastic. Uh, so look, tell us where you're from. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So yeah, I'm Michel. I'm, uh, I'm originally from France. Uh, I actually uh, moved in the U.S. In, uh, in 2011. Before that, I was a data engineer in Paris working on, on financial data. That was my first exposure to the data world and the challenges associated to it. And when I moved in the US, it was in back in the day, a small startup called LiveRamp. And today it is a, an ipo company. And over there, we were basically integrating LiveRamp with all the MarTech and uh, AdTech ecosystem. We're working with many, many customers and we had to bring and move data wherever it was to wherever the, the customer needed. And it was like very high volume of data. When I left, every day we were moving over 100 terabytes of data. And we basically, my team had to build all these connectors, thousands of connectors, like building them, maintaining them, scaling them. And it's at the end of the day, it's a, it's a problem that every single company is facing. And there is no... I mean, there are some solutions today, but they have their, their flows. And that's when, with my co-founder, we, we came up with the idea of, uh, of Airbyte and how we can help companies solve their problems once and for all. Fantastic. We'll jump into Airbyte, but I got to ask first, you start a company in 2020. Why 2020? 2020 is like the year that most people want to forget. For tax purpose, for tax reason, we actually created the company on January 1st at midnight to make sure that it was only started on 2020. We didn't know COVID was a thing back in the day. <laughs> I mean, just had some news coming from uh, from China, but nothing really uh, happening here. And 
we went through YC at that time. And while at YC, you know, they call us COVID batch, where it was the first batch that was affected by COVID that had to go from an in-person organization to uh, to remote. So it came with its challenge. I think it's has allowed us to actually focus on the right thing. We were starting with a, another, another product back in the day, and I think COVID on that front help us refocus our effort and really focusing on something that people need more than a good to have. So we all want to forget 2020, but it has been uh, positive for us uh, on that front. Well, I feel your pain. I took a role within... IBM, I was asked to, to come over and help transform services, expert labs in IBM. And that was of March last year, like perfect timing, right? When I got here, like 98% of the folks were on site. Now, like 2% are on site. So it has brought challenge. But to your point, and I'll be interested in, in hearing about what you say refocusing means and towards the right thing. But it does change things. And I think it'll help transform and better businesses in the long run, one way or another. But anyway, so you start January 1st, 2020. You start Airbyte. Is this company centered around ETL for the most part or no? I think at that point, we're really at the inception of the idea because both John, uh, my co-founder, and I had faced this problem of data integration in our past lives. And we've always gravitated around that topic. When we released our first product, always around data integration, but this one was very geared toward marketing and figuring out similar type of problems around how to make data more available to the right people. But that's when COVID really hit. And at that point, the marketing budget got really affected by this crisis. That's when we realized that the product that we were building was a good to have. We were unable to finish our, like to, to close our deals, like a lot of uh, waiting in between. So at that point, John and I just refocused our effort. We had talked to a lot of people during that time and we've identified this problem that everybody was having. They were always trying to get engineers to build connectors for them. They were trying to use existing solution, but it was not good enough. And that's when we refocus our effort toward Airbyte. That was a, a pivot that we did uh, in July. For the listeners, everybody, I think most of the people that are listening are, are technical in nature, but uh, just for those that may not be, ETL, extract, transform, and load. This is essentially extracting data from disparate sources and then tr usually you transform it and then take actions on it, whether changing data types or applying calculations. And then after that data is transformed, you, you load it in a target data store. It's clean. It's ready to go. You get your reports. So ETL. Taking a step back. All right. So define the problem. You talk about the problem. What is the problem you're trying to solve? The data scene has changed a lot over the, the past uh, few years, especially with how powerful uh, data warehouses have become. And basically what these data warehouses have done is they've enabled new roles to consume data, roles that are less data savvy, maybe less technical. And the thing is, there are still this ecosystem of tools and that is missing around it. And for example, DBT is solving a part of it on the transformation side. And there are other companies that are 
working in this environment, but it's just a completely new way for organization to approach uh, data. And you know, when we talk about ETL, extract, transform, and load, that's a paradigm that has been here since the early uh, 2000. The problem is when you're talking about transformation here, you are injecting a bias in how you look at the data. And that usually leads to uh, incomplete analysis on the other side and also a lot of um, work on the, on the engineering side to properly transform the data. And what we've seen with warehouses and with the, how the cost is going down for using them and what you can do is actually extract and load and give the opportunity to these new roles to decide what transformation matter. So you give them the whole data. And that's the problem we were seeing in companies like these roles were not getting access to the data. They always had to go through an engineer to uh, build a connector, to maintain a connector, to connect a data source. And the data team, they just don't like to do that. This is plumbing. And what data team wants to do is to, they want to message the data. They want to verify the quality of the data. They want to extract insight from the data. And so you have like this internal conflicts. And it means that these new roles that can do something with the data are not empowered. And... That's uh, what we wanted to do is we wanted to solve the maintenance and plumbing problem for data engineers so that we can empower these new roles to do whatever they want with the data. I think what you also refer to in there is there's ETL. I think it's been around here for at least the 70s. Uh, and then there's ELT, extract, load, and transform, where to your point, the data is loaded in the target warehouse and then transformed afterwards. Can you repeat why ELT is more attractive than ETL in this context? ELT, when you're thinking about transformation, transformation is when you apply your business logic or some kind of logic to the data. So when you go from ETL, it's basically someone has made the decision of what kind of analysis you're going to make on the data ahead of time. And this is a project. People have to implement this transformation. And then the data is transformed and it's available to data analysts, to data scientists. But the problem is they have access to data that has a bias that's already been applied to the data. It is going to, and they don't have access to all of the data because you only get what has been transformed for you. And if there is a bug somewhere, one day you need a new type of data. You need to re-import everything because you don't have the raw data laying around. Whereas when you're thinking of ELT is just you take the raw data and you make it available where uh, the processing of the data will happen. And at that point, you can let, and with tools like DBT or plain SQL, you can suddenly enable your data analyst, your data scientist, your data engineer to transform the data in the way that makes the most sense for uh, the analysis or the, the operational use case that they are solving. But in the ELT case... On one hand, you're empowering the end user, the new persona. Don't you require that persona to have more information on the data such that they know how to transform it correctly? Otherwise, you could end up with a mess. That is correct. That's why I'm saying that this is a new paradigm in how people think about data. And now we're seeing more tools around data cataloging, data documentation, like Great Expectation is doing something like that where they look at the data and they try to extract 
some rules and some description of what the data is. And at that point, you can enable these neurons to do something with this data. You also want to get these people to understand what data they are manipulating. If it's just a transformed piece of data, then they don't know. And it's also a bottleneck because it's just like some very, very advanced people who can do this transformation. Here is just this new generation of tools that's coming up to enable these roles and empower them. How do you take out the challenge of, one, these new roles are going to have to get into some of the plumbing. They're going to have to mm-hmm. have a, an advanced skill set. And secondly is, you know, every client I talk to these days is talking about their data swamp still. And they've created a swamp by putting too much data in all different locations. And all of a sudden people are transforming it differently. And, you know, I was talking with an insurance provider not long ago and they were like, I have at least 10 X the amount of data I should, because I've got redundant data all over the place over the course of the last five, six, seven years. How do you prevent that? In every single company, sometimes when you look at active users, you might have like 10 different definition of what is an active user. That goes back also to what transformation is and how you can uh, solidify these concepts. First of all, what you want to do is you want to have this master data set and all of the data. And then I think you can really think of this more as a, as a data mesh where every single team, based on their function, is going to pull the data that they care about. There again, it's a problem of data integration. Like how do you pull the data from this uh, centralized place? And they will define what models they care about. But what will happen is they can quickly iterate on what these models are and what data they need to compute their insights without having to involve engineering. And I think that's generally a a problem is engineering is becoming a bottleneck for making and getting the right insights from the data. In the end, it's really about how the data is moving within an organization, but you need to have somewhere this central data set and when you're talking about you're giving like the data plumbing responsibility to other roles i think at that point it's just how can you simplify this data plumbing for example that's i would say it's something that has made the, the success of five trend which is they've suddenly enabled like a marketing team to without the help of an engineer to create this plumbing between a SaaS service and a warehouse. And that has been working very well for them. It's just like these role are motivated to own that piece because this owning that piece allows them to be better and to make better decisions. All right, I got it. So in the right context, what we do is simplify the plumbing and then we have a management system and tooling that enables this new persona to be empowered and take control of their destiny. All right, I got exactly. it. I got a two-parter that goes into right into Airbyte then. You often talk about data engineering. Could you give us your definition on data engineering? And then I want, I would request that you tell us about Airbyte. What's Airbyte all about? To me, a data engineering team is the producer of the data that will be consumed by the organization. So they generally own the technical pipes of getting the data in. They own like stamping the data with a quality stamp. They own, sometimes they own some part of the transformation, uh, especially when you're thinking about ETL. And 
they are basically this team that exposes that data, maybe doc help with the documentation and uh, works with other team to be trained on how to, to leverage the data. But they are like the provider of that data for the organization. What Airby does is it's really about simplifying the plumbing and the maintenance because with all the fragmentation of SaaS tools, of databases, of places where you can have data, it is extremely hard to centralize all of that to get the best insights. And what you need, some, a company can be using like 100 or 200 or 1,000 tools, and each of them might have a very specific function, very specific attributes for this data. And what you want is you want to get all this data somewhere, you want to join it, and you want to get the, the full view of, for example, what a customer is or like a, a security process into your warehouse. Building a connector in general is not that hard. Uh, in general, it's a matter of like looking at a, an API spec, looking at the database spec. The thing is, when you have one connector, it's okay. Anyone can maintain one connector. But as soon as you start getting to five, six, seven different connectors, the maintenance becomes a huge burden. And it's generally seen by a data engineer as just plumbing and something that is low leverage for them. And at that point, that creates a lot of friction in organization to get this task prioritized or to get a connector fixed. And that's what we want to solve with Airbyte is the pain that data engineering team and people who are working with data are facing when they try to replicate data. Because everybody is doing the same thing. Everybody is writing a Stripe connector. Everybody is writing a Salesforce connector, MySQL, Kafka connector. Across every single organization, they are doing it. What if instead we take it one level up and we try to crowdsource the effort? Uh, and that's why with Airbyte, we're taking this open source approach, which is connectors, especially with ELT, where you don't have business logic in the connector for transformation, can be shared across organizations and the maintenance can be shared. And that will help create more solid connectors because maybe one company will have a specific edge case that is not properly handled by the these general connectors and will add it to the connector. So it creates like very solid connectors it spreads the maintenance of this connector across other organizations. And that's what we want to do with Airbyte. Let me see if I can restate this back to you to make sure I get it right. So going back to the ELT, uh, in terms of simplifying the plumbing and the maintenance, I mean, you'll need that to be able to make it, you know, like I talked about simplifying the plumbing, having a management system, having the right tools. This all kinds of come together in what you're proposing in, in Airbyte, where you're simplifying that the plumbing and that maintenance. When you have multiple connectors, you are somehow managing those connectors and allowing them to be done at above organization level, almost so you can crowdsource the effort and the maintenance that needs to be done. In other words, people in different locations can do it versus isolated personas that that's their, their only job. Mm-hmm. Did I get it? You got it. That's exactly it. And I think that's a pattern that has been enabled by ELT because ETL, as I was pointing to, is you need to inject transformation between extract and loading. So it means that 
you cannot open source that connector because someone has already injected what field they want, what filtering they want, etc., etc. Whereas when you think of it as ELT, it's just a technical connector, no logic. And that's why it can suddenly be shared across organization, whereas before you would have to share your business logic as well. Your product is open source then, true? Mm -hmm. True. What's the business plan around the open source piece? I mean, wh where does the uh, funding or the value come in for the client that they actually pay for? The main reason why we are doing it open source is we want to commoditize data integration, meaning that there is, like everybody should have access to the data that they own everywhere they want. And basically by commoditizing, you're basically creating a standard how to get data in. Now, once you have a standard, as Airbyte, because we are a company, we have seen money, we need to make money at some point, that will be on what are the things that and the feature that you build that are on top of that standard that are making the product even better and addressing more use cases that are not addressed by the standard. And our philosophy here is everything that beneficiates to an individual contributor is going to remain free. It's going to be part of our community edition. Everything that benefits to an organization like thinking SSO, role access management, auditing, etc., etc., these are things that will be part of our open core model and will be features on which we charge. So it's really about separating the two. You want to encourage uh, a bottom-up uh, adoption of your product, and you can only do that if the free tier addresses the, the, the need of really one uh, individual or two individuals. Now, with the seed money, our goal is really to focus on the community and becoming the standard. Monetization, we're working on it, but our priority for 2021 is really on, uh, on the community. You've done extremely well with the seed money. I'm curious as to your experience in achieving or gathering seed funding from venture capital. And one thing that also occurred to me, and maybe it's it's not the case, but is this not a competitor to, to LiveRamp? I think LiveRamp's also invested. Maybe I, I don't know. You tell me, but I I've, I just found that connection curious because because you, you were doing data ingestion and data distribution with LiveRamp just the same. In general, when you're thinking about ingestion and distribution, these are enabler for products. For LiveRamp. It is an important part of the of the product, but it is not the product per se. Like the product per se is like identity resolution and omni-channel view of your customers. But they need the ingestion and they need to do the distribution to enable that product. And that's that is actually one reason why it's usually hard to find in company what kind of effort they are making because they generally see that as some kind of plumbing and not really part of the of the product itself and they generally build it on the side and, and up until the point where it becomes too big and suddenly they have to put tons of people to uh, to actually maintain the system but it is an enabler for product so no we're not competing with uh, with Lyron. i would love at some point that uh like working with uh, with them and offering them more uh more connectors like getting data from sources that they don't have access to so that they don't have to build it uh internally and have it maintained by the community fair enough walk me through a use case just to make sure we 
you know, we take what we've provided at a high level of simplifying the plumbing, et cetera, to, mm-hmm. you know, here's, here's a perfect example of a customer we've worked with, blah, 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 that's did this, 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 and this is what we used Airbyte to, uh, to get them where they needed to be. One example was, so we have this uh, large internal effort at an organization where they want to get better analytics. I mean, basically they are building their analytics uh, engine and they are using Stripe, they're using Salesforce, they're using Google Analytics, they're using their own tables where they have their user account, user activity, etc. And they want to understand like, how does their user behaves and what are they missing? Like how much revenue is tied to these users? And today, when they want to do it, they have to build a connector to Stripe, build a connector to the database. So often it's not like the engineers who, who wants to do that. It's more like the data analyst that is working on this particular project. And what they, they did is actually they put Airbyte, installed it on their prem and like on their VPC, and they started to pull data from databases from Stripe, from Salesforce. I mean, there were like maybe 10 different services and they had all of that fed into uh, into BigQuery. And yeah, they just build the right dashboard so that they have 360 view of what are their customers doing, where they are missing something and just making decisions. I don't know what decisions they make based on that, but at least now they have access to the data. I think this is the analytics use case where it's like this 360 view. Now there is another use case that uh, is extremely interesting for us, which is uh, what we call powered by Airbyte, where you have a company which has a product and this product needs to have access to data of their customers. And the only way you can do that is by building connectors. You need to be able to connect to whatever database the, or data silo this customer has. And they are embedding Airbyte into their product to have out of the box, like 50 and hopefully soon a thousand connector where they can start importing uh, their customer's uh, data. So this is more like a, an operational use case where we are the, the connectivity layer for this type of product. And that's what I, I mean by what we're building is an enabler for product. It's It allows your product to be better and to have more data and to, to provide better insights or better um, better actions. Makes sense. I think we're going to be moving data indefinitely. On the other hand, yep. don't you find that customers are about sick of moving data? I mean, I know that's not what you want to say, I'm sure, but look, they've been moving data for so long. We've had so many data swamps at this point it's just like, if I can avoid moving data, I want to do that as much as possible. No? True. I mean, it's the same way. Like when you build pipes to move to move oil, you don't want to be moving oil, but at some point you need to establish the right pipes that allow you to get the oil from where it's being extracted to where it's being refined. And now you don't think about the pipes. Yes, sometimes they break. Uh, there is a leakage. And that's exactly what we want to do. We want to move a step further in how you're thinking about data movement so that these pipes you don't have to think about. And they have probes. You have sensors that tells you if the data is corrupted, if the schema is changing, if you have a drift in 
one of the fields and the data is not correct, or if you have like missing data, you don't want to have to think about it. To think it people hate moving data because this doesn't exist today. And that is the promise that we're making, which is we are going to be this standard for, for moving data so that you don't have to think about it. And once the data is at the place where you need it, you can trust that it has had this quality stamp and this, and you can start leveraging and trusting it. Well, look, there's a lot of players in this game. And the reason there's a lot of players in this game is because, to your point, people are going to be moving data for some time to come. And it's not easy. And so that's one thing I wanted to just run by you. We're not going to have time to go through all these different elements, but moving data can be difficult. You've got to, you know, we've talked about cleaning and normalizing data. So some of what you're talking about, that transformation is going to happen on the user side. So that makes it a little bit easier, at least from a tooling perspective. But you got to map data from one uh, system to another. You're dealing mm-hmm. with a bunch of disparate data sources. You've got sheer data size to deal with, which brings into question the the performance that you have. You got data formats, you got the broken data connections. I mean, I could go on and on. Structured and unstructured data. Mm-hmm. Handle all those today, or are you building this this business up to be able to handle all those different uh, scenarios? So today we're we're focusing really on the, the structured uh, data piece, but you're very right. Data is like the volume is huge, and that's why it's often inefficient to move data. So the question is, if the data is hosted in your organization infrastructure, why would you want to send it elsewhere so that it gets back to you in the right format with the right quality check and the right stamp? And that's why we are building Airbyte. One of the things we have in mind is like, where does the data plan belongs? Does it belong on a vendor server or does it belong on your servers? And that's the type of decision we have to make when we, we build Airbyte because we believe that there are some use cases where it should belong to the vendor, some use cases where it should belong to you to have these efficiencies. And if you have defined the proper protocol for this component to talk with each other and to give you some of this guarantee, then I believe like, you can walk and build this network of pipes that allows this data to, to flow flawlessly. So for example, we, have, we put a lot of emphasis on like the data schema, which is not something that everybody has done. Like sometimes you just put random data somewhere and you don't know what the schema is. Sometimes it's changed and you don't know why. Here, these are things that are part of how we build Airbyte. And the schema is a first-class citizen that we encode in the protocol. Uh, so that you can put, check the data and to get this uh, this auditing on where the data is going, what is its state and how valid it is. What makes Airbyte tech different than the, the tech that already exists today? As I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of players in this field, uh, probably for good reason, but like you've got on the IBM side, we've got uh, Infosphere data stage. Uh, you've got Informatica, you've got Oracle, I think data integrator. You mentioned like, Fivetran, uh, uh, there's Stitch Data, there's other open source ETL tools, Kafka. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, I, I could go on, but so what's your differentiator? What do you do that nobody else does? You know, when we started Airbyte, what we did is we actually reached out to customers of all of these products and we asked them, okay, what 
how do you like using it? What do you, does, do you do on the side that is not addressed by the five trend, the stitch the, of the world or the material of the world? And what we've realized is that companies that we've talked to, 50 or 60 companies, 100% of them were building connectors on the side. So they were rebuilding what they were paying for. And there are a few reasons for that. If you look at a hosted solution like Fivetran or Stitch, it's just that there are data sets, there are databases or data services where they are not allowed to let the data be exfiltrated to a, a third-party vendors for security or regulation uh, reason. So that's one reason. The other one is a lot of these connectors have been implemented with ETL in mind, which means that they are encoding some business logic meant for like marketing or for sales into it so that people just don't see the data that they need to make the proper analysis. And these solutions in general are closed source, which means that there is no way for anyone to go into the connector and tweak it for your own use case. And that is one thing you're solving with uh, open source where someone can take a connector and if they really need to customize something just for them, they can take the code, modify it, and boom, it runs. And they don't have to rebuild a connector from scratch. Makes sense. Look, uh, switching just to a couple more questions just for fun. Question I have is, uh, how's it been launching your own company and what is the most important thing you've learned and or the most important leadership trait? I would say the the biggest lesson and was that's what I was mentioning before with COVID is you really want to build something that will fix a real problem, not something that is just a pretty UI or like golden pipes. You want to really understand deeply what problem these people are facing and really fix it so that they don't, they just welcome you with your product. The first product we built was a good to have, it was not a need to have. Now we're building a need to have and we, we're seeing it based on, on the adoption. In terms of leadership is we had to make a hard decision. Back in the day, we were a team of five with three engineers and everybody has been working like so hard on getting this first product out. And suddenly you have to tell people and you need to tell your investors as well that no, this product is not going to lead anywhere. And if you continue in that direction, people will just be wasting their time. Their equity will be worth nothing. And for investors, they would just have uh, wasted their money. That was a very hard decision. So I don't know if it's leadership or how you would classify it, but making that kind of decision is hard, but you need to be able to make them if it's for the good of your company. I know switching and pivoting, though a lot of companies do that. That's how Slack got here, right? Yeah, that was a side project. Another endeavor. So it happens a lot. I'm pretty sure that every single company in the world that has been successful has had at its inception something like that. I guarantee it, yes. You know, my daughter, she told me, Dad, you have some gray hair. And I think the <laughs> I don't usually have gray hair, but suddenly I started to have a few. And I think like the pivot, making this hard decision, they are really hard. You're not just by yourself making a decision. You're making the decision on behalf of other people. And you need to make the right one. Well, if it makes you feel any better, there's never a perfect decision. There's only the, the, the best decision of, of the many options that you have. I like uh, your Twitter quote that a VC asked you, what's your truth for 2021? Can you tell us about? The truth is basically your North Star, almost like an overarching yeah, or however you want to call it. It is 
what is the one goal that everybody should be thinking about whenever they make a decision? And for Airbyte, because what we want is to address and empower less data or less technical people while solving the problem of data engineers, we need to make sure that Airbyte just works. So you will need to be able to install it and it works and you can replicate data in just two minutes. So that is for us one of the goals. And it's hard for an open source project to get to that. You know, with open source, you always have to deal with all the nitty gritty details of someone's infrastructure to make it work. And that is our goal, be able to check out or install Airbyte and it has to work out of the box. And it has to work not just for data engineers, but if a data scientist wants to play with it, they need to be able to install it on their workstation, replicate data, and then advocate internally for using that tool at a higher scale. The most important thing for any startup is to have this North Star uh, because that will always inform the best decisions. Nice. Where can folks reach out to you? If they wanted to contact you or Airbyte, where would they go? You can come to our public Slack. So we're a very open company. Uh, we publish everything we do. We have our, we're about to publish our company handbook uh, so everybody can see how we're working internally. So you can join us on Slack, slack.airbyte.io. On GitHub, uh, you can post any issue and by email. My email is like michelle at airbyte.io. Always here to answer. Very good. Hey, thank you. Michelle, this has been very informational for me. It's been good having you on. I appreciate it. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us and your and all your exploits around Airbyte. Thank you. Thank you, Al. Thank you, Kate, for having me. Kate's the best. We know. <laughs> Thanks, listeners. As always, please reach out to us at almartintalksdata at gmail.com. Until such time, we will see you on the podcast. See you next time. Later. Thanks for listening to the Making Data Simple podcast, where we make data fun. Be sure to visit ibmbigdatahub.com forward slash podcasts to access the show notes and uncover even more great episodes. Remember, the views expressed here are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily represent the views of IBM. Until next time, let's go over and out. Out.